And uh, we're at the end of the looking at the Apostles' Creed and uh, what we've been studying on the Apostles' Creed. And I love how the Apostles' Creed, it ends with amen, amen. And uh, to me, amen is such a powerful phrase um, we use it in church sometimes when we're, you know, we're here, we'll hear a message or we'll hear the pastor say something that we really liked and we'll go, amen. And uh, just because we're excited about what we just heard. Well, the, the, the one speaker said it like this, which I thought was really powerful. He said that the resurrection is God's response to Jesus's, it is finished. It was God's response. It's the amen to the it is finished. The death on the cross when Jesus said it is finished. The amen is on resurrection morning when he rose from the dead. You know, as, as we look at the scriptures, we know that there wasn't anybody looking for the resurrection. Nobody. Um, they all had uh, pretty much resolved that it was over. It was all done with. And this passage in the book of Luke that we're going to take a look at here, it really outlines to us and shows us how that they had lost all hope, that hope was really gone. Now, in the morning, as you know, there in the early morning, the women had gone to the tomb, but they did not go expecting to find Jesus. They expected to go finding him in the tomb. Somebody's going to have to roll the stone away so they can put these burial things that they've brought for him. They, of course, then go tell the disciples he's not there. An angel appeared to us. And uh, so they share about how that he is risen from the dead. The angel does. And they tell the, the women, tell all the men and the disciples that are gathered together that Jesus is resurrected and they don't believe them. Uh, nobody believed them. In fact, it says that in one place it says, and it seemed like idle tales. It seemed like they were making up a story. The women were making up a story. Well, later on in that Jesus has not appeared to them in the morning and the day goes on. And of course, Mary's in the garden and she discovers Jesus. We find that, you know, she she realizes that it's not the gardener. It's actually Jesus that is talking to her. And then later as the day goes on, as it grows towards evening, these men are walking what's called the Emmaus Road and uh, on this Emmaus road, they're walking with a man that's joined them that they don't know who he is. He's just kind of hanging out with them as they go down the road. And as he's walking with them, they're talking about what happened, what, they, what had happened that morning. And this man who is Jesus, but they don't know it, says to them, well, tell me what's going on, what's happened. And they said, you know, you haven't heard about how that they crucified Jesus of Nazareth and how, you know, that he's buried now. And some women this morning told us that he's been raised from the dead. And uh, but it, it he, but they finished. And I, what I wanted you to see is in Luke 24. And I guess I had never seen this before in verse 21. But it says they respond to this man that's with them, who is Jesus. But we were hoping that it was he that it was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, besides all this today, it's the third day since these things happened. And you know, it, it just reminds us how challenging life can be when hope is lost. These guys had lost all hope. I mean, they, even though the women said they had, he wasn't there, 
that wasn't enough proof for them. They still have lost, they have lost their hope. Maybe you've been in a situation in your life where I'm not talking about that you were discouraged. I'm talking about you were at a dead end. Dead end says there's nowhere to go. You're stuck right there. There's no way forward. There's no way backward. There is no, there is no hope. There is no hope in that situation. I know I personally have felt that way several times in my life where I felt like this was it. This is the end. This is the, the last. I, that, uh, I was, there was nowhere to go. I mean, maybe it was a financial deal that it just seemed like there was no way we'd ever get through it. Uh, I know in my daughter, we occurred all those hospital bills. And I mean, the, 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 we were getting letters and, you know, the hospital's telling us that they need $10,000 because of her surgery. The surgeon's asking for money. The anesthesiologist is asking for money. And at that time, the church wasn't even able to pay us. And we didn't know how in the world we were going to do this. And so we were just, we were just, you know, just trying to sort everything out. Maybe you felt that way before where it seemed like, all hope, all hope was lost. You know, the Apostle Paul talked about that when he was on a ship that was heading to Rome and how that in the middle of the night, whenever they had tried and done everything they could do and couldn't get any better, and it says they gave up all hope. They gave up all hope of ever being able to make it, and uh, they just let the ship go adrift. Hope is a powerful, powerful force in our lives. I was reading this testimony uh, about smallpox. Some of you will remember, you know, hearing about smallpox. Maybe some of you, uh, like myself, when you were a kid, you might have gotten the smallpox, you know, got the shot for smallpox. But it had been one of the greatest plagues on the earth. During the last hundred years of its existence, smallpox killed 500 million people. 500 million people. Now let's compare that to what, because we're more familiar with COVID in our generation right now, but COVID killed 6,837,601 people as of right now. If you got COVID, you had a 0.7% infection or chance of dying from COVID, 0.7, 0.7. Now I realize the media has made it sound like if you get COVID, you're going to die. Uh, but that's not true. There are people that did die from it. And obviously, the older that you get, the, the, the chances of other respiratory and other issues could show up. But even, even then, it doesn't go above 1%. Even if you're over 80. Are you with me? If you got smallpox, you had a 30% mortality. So that's the world that our, great, our grandfathers and great-grandfathers lived in was where there were smallpox. In fact, they pretty much figured if you got told you had smallpox or there was smallpox in your home, it's a death sentence. And it was devastating to people. And it would wipe out whole towns where, I mean, think about it, 500 million people. Now, you'd think that many died from COVID, but that's, it's, it's, it's just a, a small percent of what has died from smallpox. And, it, and there seemed like there was no way out of it. You know, when that disease is like that, when it's killing so many people, it just seemed like nobody has an answer, nobody has a solution. But this one guy, he kept digging in on this and trying to come up with an answer to this. He was in England. His name was Edward Jenner. He was a physician, and he developed a vaccine to immunize people against smallpox. 
But after much study and testing, he finally made a decision that he was going to try it on a little eight-year-old boy. Now, I don't know about the ethics of that, but and today he'd be in prison for this, okay? But he decided to try it on an eight-year-old boy named James Phipps. Dr. Jenner injected James with the vaccine, and then three weeks later, he decided to try it out, and he exposed little James to smallpox. Days went by. James showed no symptoms, no fever, no rash, no scars, and most importantly, no death. Because that boy lived, Jenner knew that there was hope for all of us. And I want you to think about that. Because that boy lived, Jenner knew that there was hope for all of us and for the world, that we could all live. And that even better, here's where we're heading with this, when Jesus rose from the grave, it gave hope to all of us that we could live eternally through faith in him. You know, that's the thing with devastating and difficult situations that seems like you're at a dead end, that when hope does come, it's like, it's like a glass, as the Bible says, it's like a glass of cold water to a thirsty soul. It changes everything, doesn't it? I mean, it makes, you know, it's, it's, it's sort of the idea that's talked about in the psalm. Sorrow may last for a night, but joy comes in the morning. See, when joy comes, all the sorrow is forgotten about. All the, I mean, it was tough. It was a tough season. And many of you I know go through, are going through tough seasons. It might be with your kids right now. It could be in your finances. It, it could be in your, your own health. I remember sitting in the, the doctor's, uh, in, this, in the hospital at the uh, at the uh, Veterans Hospital in Cleveland, when they went into my mother's body to try to figure out how extensive the cancer was, came back and told us it was stage four, that it had metastasized to all of her inner organs, that there was no way she could live and that we should take her home and have six months with her. She'll be gone by then. And I sat in that room and you know, and maybe you've been there, you, maybe not like this situation, but a situation like this. Maybe you've had this kind of diagnosis. And you're told, and I'm sitting there and I'm listening to this surgeon and they're trying in their best, you know, nicest doctoral manner to tell us bad news. And I'm sitting in that room and you know, I'm thinking to myself, I wish I was someone else in this room right now. I wanted better. I was praying for better news and got worse news. And it blew me away. It broke my heart. My, my sister was sitting there with me and, and I, I, I was so broken, I had to get out of the room. And I mean, I just broke down uh, crying because I didn't, my mom was only 57 years old. And we're told she's gonna be gone in six months. I wasn't prepared at all for this because I'm a man of faith, amen? And I remember when we were in the hallway and, uh, the, and, and my sister and I are teary-eyed right after we saw our mom as she was waking up. And my mom looked at me and she said, Rick, you're going to have to get me a miracle. I thought, oh, man, Mom, I'm going to do my best. I'm going to do my best. I walked out of that dark, intensive care room and standing in the hallway. And my sister and I are crying. And a doctor walks up to us and he says, what's going on? And uh, I said, well, we just got a report that my mom has stage four cancer and uh, there's nothing that can be done for her. Do you know what he said to us, this doctor? I don't know who he was. He could have been an angel for all that I know. He said, look, it's not over. And don't lose hope. 
He said, look, there are so many things that we can do, so many treatments. We, can, we haven't even begun to try to fight this yet. He said, don't you guys give up. She needs you to keep hope. She needs you to be strong through this with her and tell her that she's going to make it. Well, you know all that report. You've heard me testify about this. Uh, that doctor was a real turning point for us when he said that. And uh, my mom, within the next six months, was diagnosed by the doctor as being totally free from cancer. So... But, but here's the thing, you know that it may not be maybe as severe as that, maybe it's worse than what I'm telling you, but you know what that's like to hear there's no hope. That's what the resurrection provides for us is the hope that we need in our lives. These disciples, they looked at this situation and said, we were hoping for one thing and it didn't happen. And maybe you're here this morning and you're dealing with disappointment in your life because you expected things with your kids to turn out a lot better than they have. Or your marriage, or your money, or whatever. It doesn't, your health, you, you expect it to be a lot different than when you, if you were writing your own story, it would not have looked the way that it's been going, okay? But I want you to know in the midst of that that God gives us hope. As I love the song uh, that the Gaithers wrote years ago, because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. I can't always say that. I wish I could always say that, you know. All fear is gone. But I know in the song they say, he holds the future. And life is worth the living just because he lives. Because of him, because he lives, you and I can live and have that resurrection life. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3-4 through 4 says it like this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope. Notice if you write in your Bible, I want you to underline the words living hope. Not a dead hope, not just a hope, but a living hope. And this is so important important a living hope how through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is incorruptible undefiled and does not fade away reserved in heaven for you the Greek term Greek term they use in this for hope in this passage means an eager confident expectation an eager confident expectation the living resurrection, the living hope of the resurrection gives us as believers an eager, confident expectation. This, the contemporary English version says, translates this phrase as a hope that lives on. A hope that lives on. Even in the midst of bad news, a hope that continues to live on. In the New Living Translation, it says, so we live with great expectation because we're not settling for what it is. We know it's not done yet. The amen has not come yet for this situation. You know, I was someone had come to me yesterday and they said, listen, they said, Pastor, I need you to pray for me. And I said, I'll be glad to. And they said, I've been diagnosed. They're telling me I've got to go see a neurosurgeon. I can't see out of my left eye. And, uh, and they said, uh, so I've got to go see the neurosurgeon. I've got to have this done and that done. And they're telling me that it appears that it possibly could be MS. Now, this is a young lady with a young baby just born. Getting all this news. 
And I, and while I, and I, you know, I always, I have certain ways I like to talk to these folks because you got to deal with their fear and what's going on. And so I started talking with her about her fear. And then I, I said to her, I said, so here's what we're going to do. We're going to believe that this is going to change. All of it's going to change. We're not just going to believe that when, that, that, that you're going to get your, that, that you're going to get a good report from the doctor and he's going to say there's no MS. We're going to believe you get your whole eyesight recovered. Amen. And I said, here's what I want you to remember. And here, friend, if you take anything away from what this sermon, this message is today, I want you to remember this as well. What I told her is I said, when you sit in the doctor's office and no matter what he says, good news or bad news, I want you to remember these words. This is not the final. This is not the final word. This is not. If anything in life, people try to throw those final words at us that it's done, it's over, it's finished, it can't go on, it can't happen. The resurrection tells us there is not a final word in this situation. God is alive. We have a living hope. We're not giving up. We're not throwing in the towel. We're not done yet. It's not over till it's over, and we're going to fight to the end. Can you say amen? amen. Hallelujah. The Bible scholar and teacher F.B. Meyer, he called the living hope. He said, this is the link between our present and our future. It's what gets us through to remember what the Bible says. We have a living hope. Hebrews 6.19 tells us that this hope that we have in the resurrection of Christ is an anchor for our soul. You know, anchors are really powerful things. You, if you've ever been on a boat and you've dropped an anchor, that anchor doesn't do anything until adversity hits the boat. When adversity tries to hit the boat, guess what the anchor does? The anchor digs in. When it gets pulled, when it starts pulling and the wind starts shifting and the waves are pushing on that boat, I'm telling you, the anchor begins to dig in deeper into that ground so that you hold steady in the midst of the storm. Hallelujah. This hope of Christ in the resurrection we have as an anchor of our soul, both sure and it's steadfast, which enters the presence of God into the presence of God behind the veil. That we always remember we have an anchor in heaven in Jesus Christ our Lord and that he is a risen Savior, not a dead Savior. Amen. Hebrews 6.19, in the, 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 I love this out of the Passion Translation, said, we have this certain hope like a strong, unbreakable anchor. Man, come on, our anchor is unbreakable. Holding our souls to God himself that God has not abandoned you in what you're going through and what you're dealing with. Holding our souls to God himself, our anchor of hope is fastened to the mercy seat which sits in the heavenly realm beyond the sacred threshold. I have and you have an advocate with the Father, hallelujah, that sits at the right hand of God in heaven. Because of the resurrection, you and I have the promise of hope in our lives, no matter what, that hope is, has promised to it that Christ has risen from the dead. And you know, people will say, well, prove that he did. Well, all I can do is tell you the people that have tried to prove that he didn't have all gotten saved. All, listen, all the people that have written books to disprove that Jesus never existed in the end gave their lives to Christ because it was indisputable. There were just too many things 
too many factors that were at play that there's no way that this, they knew there was a Jesus. There was record of him. Josephus talked about him who was not a Christian. Josephus, the historian, would write about the disciples and about Jesus. He wrote about what would happen about these people. So they know he lived. They know that something happened. They know that he was crucified. They know there was a rumor about him that he was risen from the dead. Not everybody experienced his resurrection, only those who believed. We have the promise of hope. Whatever it is you're facing in your life right now, or whatever you're going to face the rest of this year, or whatever happens in our country, or happens in our world right now, we have the promise of hope. Christ is risen from the dead. And that he is seated at the throne, at the mercy seat of God in heaven. That's why your Bible says you can come boldly to the throne of grace to obtain mercy in time of need, in time of need. You know, sometimes when I come to God, and maybe, maybe you're like I am, uh, I believe in the grace of God. Thank God to his gift of grace to me that he has given us so much. He has blessed our lives. But there are times that we come to God for mercy. Because look, we know we shouldn't be afraid, but yet we are. We know we shouldn't be angry, but we are. We shouldn't be hurt about this, but we are hurt. And we come to God and we say, we don't need a gift given to us. We need God's mercy in our lives to say to us, look, I forgave you this, you can forgive them this. I'm with you in the midst of this. Here's my love. Mercy is tied to love. So is grace, but mercy is tied to his love for us to sense that love and compassion of God, how deep and how great he loves us in our lives. When we have hope, that promise, there is a promise of hope because of the resurrection. Because of the resurrection, you and I have the power of hope. I love this. Revelations 1.18 says this, Jesus saying, I am he who lives and was dead. And behold, you know what behold means? Look at this. Come on, man. Lift up your head. Stop looking at the ground. Stop looking at your problem. Stop looking at how bad it is. Stop looking at how stupid people can act. Behold, he said. Pay attention and look at this. Behold, I'm holding this out in front of you. I am alive forevermore. He said, amen. Jesus, amen. See, I don't feel bad about amen in my own sermons. He amened himself here. Amen, he said. So be it. In my, it's true. He said, I have the keys of Hades and of death. See, hope sees the invisible, feels the intangible, and achieves the impossible. Let me say it again because that's worth it. Hope sees the invisible when it looks like there is no hope. Hope sees that there is a place through. There is a way. There is a highway through the sea. There is a provision in the wilderness and desert. There is the goodness of God for you and I, whatever we're going through and are dealing with. Hope sees the invisible. It feels the intangible. It knows there's something there and it achieves the impossible because of that. Because of the resurrection, we have the promise of hope, the power of God's hope, and we have the perseverance of hope. God makes a promise. Faith believes it. Hope anticipates it. Patient waits for it. We are waiting. Maybe your deliverance hasn't come yet, but you can, you can trust that the anchor 
has been set, that you have a place with God. See, isolation is what the adversary wants to do to our lives. To isolate us is to leave us alone. And we're not, look, we're not, we are not created to do faith alone. There wasn't one disciple. There were 12 of them. And then what were there? There were 70 of them. And then there was 120 of them. Because why? Because we don't do faith alone. We do it together. We're, we're the body of Christ together. We, each members are important. No matter where our faith is, what we recognize is, is that we're in this together to persevere through this, whatever life is doing together, to help one another, to encourage one another, to, 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 to tell each other, don't give up on God. Don't quit. Don't feel like you're alone because you're not alone. James McDonald said it like this. Trust means you anchor your heart in the reality of God's awareness of your situation. I mean, listen, do you believe God knows what you're going through right now? You say, well, if God knew, why didn't he just stop it? Well, how do you know he's not already working to stop it? How do you know that he's not already working? I was talking to someone one time, and they said, uh, I was telling them about one of my kids was doing something. It wasn't Greg. And uh, <laughs> Greg's got plenty of stuff on the plate, though. But, but it, <laughs> all right. but it wasn't Greg. And I was talking to them and I said, you know, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm so, I'm just really challenged in my faith about this. And he said, pastor, I got a word for you. Thank God when people, and when he said a word, he didn't, he said, I'm going to share a scripture with you. This is going to help you. He said, here's what God is saying to you. He makes all things work according to his purpose for those who are called according to his purpose. And if God called you, he called your kids too, because thy and thy whole household shall be saved. He said, so you stop worrying about it. God's got his call on their life into his kingdom. They're on the way. You rejoice that God's got this. You don't got it. He's got it. Can you say amen? See, I choose to trust. Trusting meaning that I know that God knows my situation, that I'm not in this by myself. That I'm not going through this. I'm not abandoned. I'm not having to fight through this. So I want to ask you a question. Do you have this living hope today? Do you have that living hope in your life, whatever you're battling through? I know some of you have lost loved ones this last, the last two years, last year, this year. The struggle is real. It's a real deal. But we're not, look, God never called us as believers to be in denial. That is not what he called us to do we are to face the reality but we don't face the reality alone we face the reality with his promise of hope we face the reality with his the power of hope and we face that reality with the perseverance of hope my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but I wholly lean on Jesus' name. When darkness veils his lovely face, I rest on his unchanging grace. In every high and stormy gale, my anchor holds 
within the veil. His oath, his covenant, his blood support me in the overwhelming flood. When all around my soul gives way, he then is all my hope and stay. When he shall come with trumpet sound, oh, may I then in him be found, dressed in his righteousness alone, faultless to stand before the throne. On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand on Christ alone. Stand with me if you would. The resurrection, the hope of, the promise of hope, the power of hope, the anchor that holds for you and I. Don't let go. Amen. You keep tied to the part that you got to be, you know, tied to the rope, tied to the line that runs into that heaven. That's your prayer line that's there. That God hears your prayers. He hears what you're saying. The strength of that and the perseverance. You might be at a point right now in your life where you're like, man, I'm just so tired. I'm just tired of fighting. I'm tired of dealing with this. I've had so many nights. I mean, I, I'm not complaining about this because we've come through them all. Hallelujah. But so many nights where I wept through the night crying. I mean, stuff that's happened just that was so overwhelming and heartbreaking and, and devastating and it seemed hopeless. But look, in the midst of all of that, it's in Christ the solid rock I stand. It's not in what's happening. Hope is not lost. The battle is not over. It's not done yet. You don't have to give up. You don't have to stop. It's not the final word. The final word is... When God says, amen, it's done, it's finished, it's not over yet. It's not over yet. I'm going to ask our prayer team if you'd come right now. And, uh, you know, as my heart just is really this weekend, this week, actually, um, just has really had great compassion for those who are going through stuff right now. And uh, you say, well, you say that every week. Well, yeah, but I'm really saying it's strong today, okay? We care. And you're not alone. And look, if you're doing faith alone, it's only because you want to. Because it's not because you have to. Because we want to help you through this. We want to help you get through. And right now, you're like in that song, that, that, those words, it says, when Christ's face is veiled, when it seems like all is veiled, it's like I can't see it. I know it's there, but... It, it's veiled. I trust that that anchor, that anchor uh, will hold. That anchor will hold. The woman that wrote that song, it was interesting, The Anchor Holds. It's a, it's a powerful song, old hymn. Uh, when she was dying on her deathbed, people were outside singing that song that she had written, and she said, send word down to them. She said this right before she died. She said, just make sure they know the anchor holds. The anchor holds. I want you to know today the anchor will hold you through. And that's the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Yeah. Glory.